I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator, a podcast all about seeking, finding, and living with purpose. People talk about purpose, but no one tells you how to get there. But that's what this podcast addresses, how to find purpose. I interview experts in the field. You'll also hear from people who I call prototypes, whose life is an example of purpose. So on this podcast, we dig into their path and create a community of people in pursuit of purpose. Hey, well, thanks for coming back to the party, the Lauren-only party for another solo cast with me. Back in March when I recorded all of my one-on-one interviews for season two, I sat down and I made this episode plan. Basically, when each of those interview episodes was going to be released, I had recorded 11 interviews and wanted to space them out throughout the summer. But the amount of time I needed to fill was 17 weeks long from April through the end of July, and I only had 11 episodes. So I needed to get creative. So that's where these Lauren-only episodes came from. Initially, just truly the need to cover my bases and make consistent content. But what I didn't expect was to totally fall in love with doing these things. A girlfriend of mine asked me on the very day when I released that first solo episode back in April. She texted me. She's like, how do you feel? And I immediately wrote back, awesome. Like, this is what I meant to do. It was a real awakening for me, the clear next step for where Amstigator needed to go. And it was entirely born out of this idea of like, just do your job, fill the hole. The simple act of recording these episodes really highlights what I want to talk with you about today. And that is inspiration, why it's so important, why we all need to tap into it, and the reason you're likely listening right now, the four things you need to do to find inspiration. And they are research-supported things, too. So it's not just my wild ideas here. So crazy enough, even the story I just told you about kind of how I started doing these solo episodes is an example of how to tap into inspiration in the way that researchers have now determined. But before we get going, my notes on this episode are in your inbox right now. You've got my research, journal prompts, and key takeaways about inspiration. I reference a lot of studies in this episode. So if you're a research geek like me, I've got direct links to the studies in there too. If you're like, um, what the heck are you talking about? And you don't get my weekly emails for the podcast, all you got to do is shoot me a quick note, lauren at amstigator.com. I'll forward the email to you. And if you're listening to this later, just let me know which resources you need so I know what to send you. Okay, again, my email address is lauren at amstigator.com. Okay, so why is inspiration so important? Why does it matter? Humans have been writing about what inspires us for, I mean, gosh, 2,600 years, okay? The Greeks were already talking about the muses, and the ancients were already connecting to inspiration. But from a scientific perspective, inspiration wasn't even studied until the last 20 years or so, mainly because it's not exactly quantifiable. And the only thing we can really measure is the result of the inspiration. So it seemed kind of like loosey-goosey, right? A little dicey if you're a researcher. You're looking for something measurable. And inspiration just wasn't it. But a couple of researchers took a stab at it. So back in 2003, these two guys, Todd Thrash and Andrew Elliott, developed this definition that the psychology community agreed on. Up until then, no one had agreed on how to define it. So they published a paper. It defined inspiration with three components, okay? Evocation, transcendence, and motivation. I know, big words here. You're going, come on, Lauren, make this simpler. It's basically this. You see or hear something that evokes an emotion, 
You realize it transcends your ordinary or current way of thinking. And then you're motivated to express the new vision that you would come up with in that. So evoke, transcend, motivate. Those are the three components of inspiration. So let's try to make this stick here with an example. Before I created Amstigator, I had been interviewing people who had achieved something great. The stories should have been really cut and dry. I mean, they were cut and dry. But what I found was those conversations and the interviews that I was doing with these people evoked something in me that made me start thinking differently about my own life. So inspiration started in these stories from other people. So then I became aware of all the other possibilities for my own life. I had this vivid idea that transcended where I was and what I was doing. So the transcendence is a really important part to this because you start seeing a different way of doing things or how things could be done. So once inspiration was evoked, I had this new transcendent thought I was then motivated to actually act on what I saw and felt in my mind. And that action became Amstigator. So again, evoke, transcend, motivate. So these same researchers who developed this back in 2003 came back in 2004, and they did this follow-up to it about active and passive inspiration. So passive is basically when you're inspired by. Active is when you're inspired to. See the distinction? So I was inspired by his story or that art inspired me. That's passive if it just evokes the emotion. And you appreciate the art. You're moved by the story and you move on. It becomes active inspiration when you actually do something. Like, I was so inspired by seeing you clean the bathroom that I cleaned the kitchen. <laughs> That's a real-life conversation in my house, P.S. There's action there. But keep in mind, inspiration at least by this accepted psychological definition, does not come from inside. It only comes from outside of yourself. It could be something you see or you hear. It could be a new idea, a new product, literally anything that inspires you to think differently and then spurs you to take action with this new thought. And it's completely unique to you. Everyone's different. But the thing that kept showing up in these guys' research was this underlying idea that people kept saying over and over, oh, my eyes were opened. My eyes were opened to this new way of thinking or doing. And then they were motivated to take action. So right off the bat, why does inspiration matter? Because number one, this is where new concepts and thoughts and products come from. Somebody's inspired, they have transcendent thought, and they act. They create something new. So I want to take a moment to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to think through a few things. First, I want you to remember a time you were inspired, a time when your eyes were opened to something different or new. What was it? Was it a person? An object? Something you heard or saw? Maybe it was something you ate or drank. How did that particular inspiration change the way you thought or saw or did things? And did you take action in any way after that inspiration? 
I mean, there's no right or wrong here. It's just a reflection. Did you take action after that? Here's why I want you to start thinking about inspiration. Research in the last 20 years is showing a lot of interesting associations with people who experience inspiration. For example, people who report more instances of inspiration are more creative. They also report higher levels of well-being. They report a compelling desire to act, had greater efficiency and greater productivity probably because they're galvanized to create something and they just want to blaze. I mean, that's the space I'm in right now, just blazing all the time. So how do we know if we're getting several instances of inspiration? Well, these same guys, Thrash and Elliot, who sort of wrote the book on this vein of research, also came up with a scale, and they called it the inspiration scale. And I've got this in your notes too, by the way. Again, if you don't have it, email me, lauren at anstigator.com. So the inspiration scale is made up of four statements and then two follow-up questions after that. Eight total things, essentially. It looks like this. Number one, I experience inspiration. That's the statement. And then the two follow-up questions are this. How often does this happen? And how deeply or strongly? So then you basically start grading yourself on these four statements. Again, that's just the first one. But then you give it a number from one to seven, one being not at all. I don't experience inspiration. And then seven being very strongly. I experience very strongly. In the end, you total your score, and the higher your total, the more likely you are to have all those positive effects I mentioned a second ago, right? So higher productivity, creativity, efficiency, greater levels of well-being, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this scale was important because up until they published it in 2003, inspiration was considered elusive. There was no way to quantify it or even measure positive effects from it. As a way to support the scale they'd created, these same two guys put the inspiration scale on a sample of U.S. patent holders, and they found the higher scores on the scale also predicted the number of patents a person would have. So if someone was like, oh, yeah, I'm inspired all the time, they were also the people who held the most patents. So this is probably the right time to point out to you, inspiration isn't the source of the ideas. It's the motivation to create the ideas. It's this sort of like the intersection with creativity. And Thomas Edison even said it like this. He said, what it boils down to is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Basically meaning inspiration is just a tiny sliver. But I personally would still argue it's what gets the whole thing going. I mean, if you don't have the inspiration to do something, I mean, you're not going to write that book unless you're inspired to do it. You're not going to create that product. You're not going to start that business. You're not going to do any of that without inspiration. You have to start with inspiration. So Here's how we bring it all together. How the heck do we get more inspired? And there are four total things research points to for all of us being able to do before we can get inspired. Well, first, the biggest thing is you have to be open to experience. That's literally how the researchers coined it, openness to experiences. So that means you have to be willing to do things differently experience things you haven't experienced, go places you haven't been, try food you haven't tried, read something you've never read, or how about listen to someone who doesn't think like you? Whoa. Can we just let that one linger? Just, just for a second. Because listening to someone else, which I feel like we're entirely resistant to do right now, could potentially be the basis for your next inspiration. 
And just let that sink in. And we can apply that to what's happening in our country right now. And we're just days removed from the awful school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And gun control is now in the public conversation again. New conversations on this issue could be the source of inspiration on how to fix the problem. And we could apply it to the public conversation in the last couple of years, too, where we needed to break bias in this country. New experiences, new conversations. That could be the foundation for inspiration to emerge, the kind that motivates this country to change. So next time you're faced with something or someone that might be considered a new experience, instead of feeling anxiety about it or being resistant to it, try being open to it because the research supports your openness to that new experience lays the groundwork for inspiration. Okay, here's the next thing that surprised me about how to set yourself up for experiencing more inspiration. This is number two, mastery of work. That's it. Mastery at whatever you're doing is a predictor and part of the setup before inspiration. And when you think about it, it starts to make sense. When you're doing something day in and day out to the point you reach mastery, you understand the process in what you're doing. You can identify when somebody or something presents a new way of thinking or doing that work. Or maybe even part of the work is on autopilot in your brain and you're able to come up with ways to make it more interesting. Like there's the inspiration. I've got an example for you. I've been a news anchor since 2006. As of today, right now, I've anchored 16,632 hours of newscasts. That's not just going to work. That's being on TV, under the lights, with a mic on, leading a show, reading a teleprompter, ad-libbing breaking news, tossing to reporters and meteorologists, anchoring news. That's 16 years of as much as six hours a day sometimes of anchoring regular shows. Now, you may have heard of the 10,000-hour rule. Have you heard about this? Malcolm Gladwell, he wrote about it back in 2008 in his book called Outliers. Basically, he said, once you've done something for 10,000 hours, you've reached mastery. I've anchored 66% more hours over and above mastery, okay? So here's why I bring it up. Researchers say work mastery lays the groundwork for inspiration, which kind of feels counterintuitive for me, at least from my viewpoint, because before Instigator, I'm just going to be honest with you, I was bored. I was not being challenged. I was not fulfilled by the newscasts, anchoring, talking into a mic. I mean, it's just such an old hat. You guys have done it for so long. It is not hard for me anymore. It was like, okay, this is what I do for a job, and then I go home. But here's why I'm starting to understand now from this research and from my own experience of inspiration creating Amstigator, when you've mastered something, you're comfortable in it. It doesn't take the same level of brain power just to keep the wheels rolling or the lights on in your brain. So when something is different or interesting, it sticks out. Does work mastery require 10,000 hours of something? I mean, I personally don't think so. But take a look at your own experience. What do you know how to do front and back? No matter what, lights on, lights off. You can do it all day long, every day, blindfolded. It doesn't matter. Well, research suggests that whatever it is that you've mastered, you can find inspiration there. So in 2021, when I realized there was more to the feature stories I was doing about the people who had achieved something, I was inspired by that, inspired to do something about it. Those conversations evoked emotion in me. My thoughts about life became transcendent. I started to see things differently, but all of that was able to happen because my work as a news anchor was kind of on autopilot. 
I'm also embarrassed to say that because anchoring isn't easy. I've just done it for so long. But then as I was listening to other people's podcasts, you know, at the same time last year, I started thinking, oh, yeah, like this is how I bring these conversations to the fore. My eyes were open. That's when I had the motivation to act on the inspiration, to bring full-length conversations that I was already having so more people could hear them. And I know it seems so obvious now and, and like saying it back, I'm like, wow, you know, a lot of people have podcasts. This is silly. Why did it take me so long? But doing a podcast at the time was a completely new idea for me. And because I have the work mastery on lock, I was like, hey, I can do this. So openness to experiences and work mastery are the first two main things that lay the groundwork for inspiration to happen. So think about it. Like, what are you open to and what do you already have mastered? And then here are two more really important things. Small accomplishments, which I totally get because getting positive reinforcement makes you want to keep going, and exposure to inspiring role models. Okay, so this rounds out our top four. So with the small accomplishments, you know when you get a little positive reinforcement, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do more of that. Inspiration works that way too, my friends. And those accomplishments inspire you to do more. And this last one is so clear to me. When you hear... For example, a motivational speaker or an inspiring story from somebody. You can be inspired. People can be such powerful generators of inspiration. And the researchers noted that too. Like it's kind of like the most powerful when you have a personal connection with somebody that gives you inspiration. Now we can inspire others with our story of how we overcame or the choices we made in a tough patch of life. In neuroscience, there's this idea of people being expanders. Have you heard of this before? Expanders are basically people who expand your awareness of what's possible from the get-go. I wanted Amstigator to be a podcast of expanders. So anyone who watched or listened could see what was possible in their own lives. And research shows us over and over again, when we see somebody doing something either we want to do or maybe we didn't think was possible, but you see someone else doing it, it suddenly becomes something we can do too. That's an important factor in inspiration as well. When we're inspired by someone, that person becomes one of the four sources of inspiration. And since I'm someone who's just like naturally extra, I'm going to give you some extra bonus wisdom that I've been thinking a lot about lately. I believe there's a fifth precursor to inspiration too. It's the least quantifiable thing possible, but it connects you back to you, which is one of my main goals all the time. I think what we crave has the potential to be our inspiration. All the time right now, I'm craving time alone in nature with the vast expanse of trees. I want silence. I want to be alone where all I hear is the birds or the squirrels. And I don't get out in nature all the time, but you know what happens when I do get the silence I want, the, the kind that's among the trees and the hills? I come up with so many ideas. It's to the point that I go walking with a journal. It's like the world around me is so loud that just getting into the silence helps those ideas that are just below the surface start to bubble up because I can finally listen. So we need to recognize the spaces and the places that get us closer to inspiration. So I do want you to take time to notice what those situations are for you. What do you crave? 
And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about like situations. What are you craving? Is it time with a person? Is it to dance? I mean, creative movement has connections to that same inspiration. Maybe it's people who inspire you. Maybe it's a city or a certain type of art. Whatever you feel pulled to, craving a lot, there's something there. So research says there are four things. I'm adding that little bonus fifth thing to the mix. What you crave will inspire you. And when you're inspired, research shows quite clearly you have more creativity, more optimism, more competence, more self-esteem, and researchers noted this too, flow. You have more flow. I love that. I love that they said flow was a part of it. And I've been hearing a lot of people talk about flow lately as it relates to ending the hustle mindset that goes along with creation. Usually people pair the word with ease, right? So you'll experience ease and flow. So to have a scientific understanding of inspiration and then to see that flow is a supported byproduct of inspiration, to me is just so cool. Like it doesn't feel so elusive anymore. It doesn't feel so ephemeral anymore. It feels like, hey, I know what can happen when I keep tapping into inspiration. It's right here. Creativity, optimism, competence, self-esteem, productivity, you know, all of it. Rudyard Kipling, uh, you may remember him. He was a well-known journalist and writer at the turn of the century. I don't know about you. I had to read a couple of his books in high school. But he said, when your soul is in charge, do not try to think consciously, drift, wait, and obey. I love that. Just drift or flow with the ideas that come from the inspiration. Follow the inspiration because that's going to lead you closer to fulfillment and ultimately purpose. Now, earlier I mentioned the first reason why inspiration matters. I said, because number one, this is where new concepts and thoughts and products come from. Somebody's inspired, they have transcendent thought, then they act, they create something. Inspiration literally has the power to change societies. It creates new technology, cures for diseases, entirely new ways of thinking. But the number two reason why inspiration matters in my mind is because when you act out of inspiration, your work has the potential to inspire others. And then they go on to create something entirely new too. And there's no way to predict the onset of inspiration. It can't be willed into happening. So hopefully that takes some of the pressure off of you to make inspiration happen. But if you're at some level of mastery and you open yourself up to new experiences, inspiration is bound to happen. As Rudyard Kipling said, if we just drift, wait, and obey, our chances of being inspired are so much better. And once you're inspired, you can keep going back to what inspired you. Recall it. If it's a video or a picture or a story, bring it up, whatever it was. You can keep bringing it back into your memory to remind yourself why you've taken action in the first place. So as a recap, three components of inspiration, evocation or evoke, transcendence, and motivation. And inspiration can also be active and passive. And the things that lay the groundwork for more inspiration are the four things, openness to experiences, work mastery, small accomplishments, and then inspiring role models. And then, of course, my bonus ephemeral fifth element, what you're craving, has the power to inspire. Just listen to it. Now, if you didn't get the notes and you want them from this episode, shoot me an email, lauren at amstigator.com. I think more than anything right now, we need to remember that we have the power to cultivate our own personal evolution and even our own revolution. Tapping into what inspires us is a beautiful first step to do that. 
And after all, who doesn't want to just slow down, right? Drift, wait, obey. I think that's a beautiful prescription that all of us should follow. Thanks for your time today, and I hope it leaves you more inspired. As always, I encourage you to shine your light and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. Amstigator.